0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking tier three rookie quarterbacks. What
1: do Josh Freeman, Johnny Manziel... Dak Prescott, and Tyrod Taylor have in common with Tanner McKee, Bo Nix, Max Duggan, and Hendon Hooker? Coming up next on of viz Radio.
2: What's up, Roto-Viz?
1: Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick. I'm joined by Dave Caven. We're back talking more rookie quarterbacks, uh, or soon to be rookie quarterbacks, Dave from the 2023 NFL Draft class. We've already talked in the past couple of episodes about our tier, uh, tier one and tier two quarterbacks. So if you if you popped this open, you saw quarterbacks on the title, and you're like, "Hey, I came here to listen to takes on C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, or Will Levis and Anthony Richardson." You got to go back to the previous two episodes. You can listen to that there. Today we're talking Tanner McKee, Bo Nix, Max Duggan, and Hendon Hooker, and you know there's there's something to each one of these prospects that make them interesting uh, for Superflex in particular. And so I'm excited to get to these guys. If you want to see, you know, tables of their box score scout sims, or you want to read some of. Uh, the the analysis on the players, and you want to be able to go back to it, flip back to it, you know, on demand. You need to check out our 2023 Rotoviz Fantasy Football Rookie Draft Guide series. It's on presale right now, Rotoviz.com. It's twenty dollars. You will get three issues. You're going to get the pre combine issue. This is where we acquaint you with, you know, players that uh, profiled similarly on a statistical. Uh, from a statistical point of view, to this year's prospects, as well as just the overview of who these guys are, where they come from. Uh, volume two comes out after the combine. We add in some more uh, metrics-based analysis, including some of the athletic measurables, and you know, obviously, we'll continue to get to know these players more. You know, in the six weeks between volume one and volume two dropping, and then volume three will come out actually the day after the NFL draft concludes. Uh, on that Sunday, because we know many of you start those dynasty rookie drafts right after the NFL draft. So we will be right there in your corner, helping you out. There's, there's, you know, mock drafts, there's rankings for the, all the popular formats as well. So it's not just the 50 plus profiles, you know, there's other stuff. I'm going to have some strategic uh, rookie draft trading advice in there. You really want to check it out. Make sure you go to rotaviz.com, get your pre-sale copies now. All right, Dave. Let's get a drop. Let's get into these players.
2: Yeah, let's do it. Because as you said, there are definitely some things we, we can talk about here that we need to talk about as we position ourselves for super flex leagues, in particular, Rotoviz triflex leagues. Uh, as we start to gear up with this class. So the first passer that we're going to talk about tonight is Tanner McKee. And he is out of Stanford, played three seasons, completed 63% of his passes in those seasons, really didn't start getting significant playing time uh, until his sophomore year in 2021 at Stanford. In that season, completed 66% of his passes, put up 2,227 yards, 15 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, That is an adjusted yards per attempt of seven point zero four yards as a rusher actually punched in four rushing touchdowns, uh, but does not profile as a type of player that's going to be scrambling and picking up yards actually had negative yards per carry um, in that season. Then as a senior goes uh, completing 62 percent of passes, two thousand nine hundred forty seven passing yards. 13 passing touchdowns to eight interceptions, 6.68 adjusted yards per attempt as a rusher. Um, Three, or excuse me, puts up two rushing touchdowns again, negative yardage. So to the listener out there that says, boy, why are we talking about a player here that produced 25 touchdowns across his two years as a starter uh, 15 interceptions and has a career adjusted yards per attempt that is less than seven. The reason is there are scouts out there that are pretty excited about him. He's six, six looks the part of an NFL quarterback, um, played in a style of offense that a lot of people believe is going to transition to him being able to go pretty early in a pro style offense. Um, and on top of that, he can make the throws. That's what the scouts say. As a result of that looks like a guy that could be selected in round one. So maybe an underwhelming um, prospect from the stats there. But if you listen to the people that break down the film that are watching these guys that largely inform the draft process, there are, there is excitement being generated. Yeah. And so
1: um, that's a great lead in Dave. So Tanner McKee, uh, he is not a player that we would, that we would typically uh, promote. And it's not a player that we really are promoting right? Um, based off of, you know, his, his production. And I mean, we're very focused on production because it's, you know, wh- while all production is somewhat uh, has to be taken with a grain of salt because there's level of competition, teammate um, context, all of those types of things. Production is stuff that actually happened and it's not up to. You know, while you need to solve a little bit for the context with how it happened, it's not, you know, I think this guy moves this way. I interpret this about how he thinks about the game of football. It's, you know, production is less subjective than film analysis. However, um, we also know that based off our our process, there's always going to be players that slip through the cracks and can become fantasy relevant, despite not profiling very well uh, from a, a production, um, e- either, you know, total production or uh, production per play, you know, efficiency type metrics that, that we like to use here at rotaviz.com. Um, there's going to be players that slip through the cracks and become fantasy relevant. And you know, that matters if you can get anybody that's going to give you starts later on in a super flex draft. I mean, that, that matters. Um, that is going to help your team. It's a piece that you can move. It's a piece that you can stream during bye weeks without having to go out and make trades. And, you know, and in invest ball, you know, at dynasty best ball, you benefit from that player's good weeks without having to worry about their bad weeks. Tanner McKee is, you know, from Stanford. Uh, he is maybe somewhat more exciting than Davis Mills, but maybe not that much more exciting. You know, we saw uh, Mills go on day two and then end up getting about a season and a half worth of starts. You know, M- McKee, uh, I think is is definitely a, a cut above that. But we can look at the box score, Scout Sims, uh, from our site, and get an idea of what other round one and round two quarterbacks he is most similar to. And it it is a little bit of a disappointing list, Dave. <laughs> so his uh, except except the top guy. The top yes. guy is kind of a cool. um a, a cool match uh, to pull up. It's a name I haven't thought about in a while, but you know, there's some weeks I can remember him leading me to victory about a decade ago. It is Josh Freeman.
2: Okay. Uh, former, okay. There we K- go. Yeah.
1: Former K state quarterback there um, jumped around the league a little bit, but then, you know, we, we see Christian Hackenberg who just really never cut it at all. Josh Rosen, Paxton Lynch and Blaine Gabbert. So we do see him matching well with other quarterbacks, that had draft capital right but it's not the right ones unfortunately now rosen started some games you know gabbert started some games freeman started some games so if you just look at all right when am i realistically going to take tanner mckee you know in a super flex rookie draft you know it's going to be like really late second round you know early to mid third round probably right uh, depending on you know the situation the, the the depth of your roster your specific team composition if you draft a quarterback that late and ever get any starts from him he's not a really a bust at that point this isn't a guy that we're putting up there with the other quarterbacks we talked about in the first two episodes so I think you know given that layer as long as you understand that even if Tanner McKee does go in the first round and I do think because of the needs at the quarterback position, the pressure to build Super Bowl championship level teams on rookie deals and how we've seen teams have success there. I mean, I could definitely see somebody um, making the reach on McKee, even if he does go around one, this is not a guy you want to push up your super flex rookie draft board. So as long as we can all agree on that, I could see, you know, having some exposure to Tanner McKee in, in one or two of my dynasty leagues, I'm playing in 15. I'm sure that number will grow. I could see myself with their share too. He's not like a total fade for me, but it's just going to have to be one of those value
2: picks. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that um, comparing him to somebody like Josh Rosen... Uh, Makes a degree of sense when you actually dig into the numbers, which naturally is why the tool identified him as a player that we can include in that comp group. We'll have to see from a draft capital perspective exactly where he lands. But I think you're exactly right. He is a player that could find himself in a position where he gets to make some starts. That's going to justify his value of where you drafted him because you're not going out there and drafting him really for the player that he was you're just hoping that at some point you can find some relevancy. And as a result of that on those teams where you need that lower level quarterback, that's almost like a nice to have just in case type of guy, then you're going to go out and draft him. He's not going to be one of those guys that you're trying actively to get on your team, but the team where it makes sense, he's going to be one of those players that's worth taking somewhat of a chance on in the, you know, wherever exactly it lands in your draft. But, um, you know, you're not filling needs with him. You're just trying to build some depth.
1: Well, that's that's enough on McKee. You know, there'll be a little bit more on him uh, in the guide and you know, be, I think it's a player that I'm, I'm, I'm probably almost take locked into where I would take him. Like there's just, I, I don't even care if he lands with an awesome coordinator, right. you know, like let's say Aaron Rodgers moves teams or something and McKee gets drafted. He's a one year developmental guy. He's going to be the next one. And he's, like, I'm just not going to fall, you know, for that. McKee will have to be like a, a, a prove-it-to-me player in the NFL before I would, you know, invest something considerable in him. But, you know, I like the idea of, you know, mixing in a little bit of quarterback exposure in this tier. McKee is certainly uh, a player that I'll I'll end up with when he slides to the third, probably. Now, I, I want to yep. transition to a totally yep. different type of player, yes. Dave. Yes, Um A four-year a four-year starter man yep a four-year starter that we're talking about in tier three these are the types of players it's like you know we, we talked about um in the episode earlier this week and, and I know Sean Siegel just been so frustrated uh over the past couple of months of how things played out with Sam Howell it's like a, a you know you know th- these players that they show that they can do it you know over a, lo- a large sample size well Bo Nix man Bo Nix was a super highly coveted guy SEC quarterback at Auburn for three years, um, never really took the leap statistically. And the team, you know, was kind of, you know, stuck in the mud a little bit. And he transfers out to Oregon, Dave, and, and really takes that next step for, uh, forward. Now, you know, SEC to Pac-12 and probably plays into a little bit. But year four starting probably plays into a little bit. So why don't you go to a rundown a little bit on uh, the career to date for Bo Nix. And then, you know, I'll, I'll talk about his sims and, where, and, and what I think about him.
2: Yeah, yeah. So Bonix 62213. Um at Auburn saw significant <laughs> action uh you know as a freshman immediately gets a chance to throw 377 passing attempts, completes 58%, um 6.88 adjusted yards per attempt, a 16 to 6 touchdown to interception ratio. The rest of his career fairly similar um, as a sophomore, complete sixty percent, um, six and a half adjusted yards per attempt, twelve to seven touchdown interception ratio. Final year at Auburn as a junior, sixty-one percent completion rate, seven point three seven adjusted passing yards per attempt, eleven to three interception ratio. That's not that exciting, but I do need to call out that as a freshman, he rushed for seven rushing touchdowns. 313 yards on 97 rushing attempts, follows that up with 108 rushing attempts for 388 yards, another seven touchdowns, then in his junior season contributes four more touchdowns, just 58 yards. Uh, but again, that's part of the profile here and shows that there's another element that he could, you know, maybe accrue an extra fantasy to uh, fantasy point or two a game. But as Curz mentioned, we really see the jump. Uh, In that 2022 year at Oregon, where he starts to get his numbers into the range, where if I am looking at the statistics, building some models, I start to get fairly excited about a guy like Nick's Um, again, not in that range of the type of players we were talking about earlier in the week, but he did complete 72% of passes. That's fantastic. 29 passing touchdowns to seven interceptions. We like that 9.5 four, six adjusted yards per attempt. That is a pretty good rate. And if that wasn't enough, Curtis turns 88 rushing attempts into 514 rush yards. That's 5.8 yards per carry. And also adds 14 rushing touchdowns, which I need to underscore how important that is, because one of the things that I would be looking at heavily is total touchdowns and total yardage. So when you add the 14 to the 29, we're into a pre uh, competitive range and then going for almost uh, or over the 4,000 total yards in a 13 game season also puts him into a pretty nice threshold.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can't really you can't really say enough about what Knicks did in his senior season. I mean, I think he made a great, he made a great decision to get, and this is why the transfer portal was cool, man, because, you know, he was not going to have a chance to take a step forward in the Auburn offense um, against the SEC competition, you know, with the quality of teammates that he had and in that specific system. So he goes to an extremely friendly quarterback system. And I mean, to his credit, you know, he probably developed some and it was also probably a situation that just took better advantage of the skills that he already had. And I, I mean, this, I'm actually, I think I'm more excited at cost about Bo Nix than I am about Anthony Richardson. You know, we talked a yeah. lot about his ceiling um, and, and then also, you know, some of the big holes in his profile the other day. You know, Bo Nix has, you know, so so much game play under his belt. I mean, he, he's really seen it all. And, you know, then in year four, you know, he actually gives us, you know, a really great season. I mean, his senior season is one of the best seasons that we saw from any of the quarterbacks in this year's draft class. Right. If you're just looking season for season for season, uh, he was number uh, five in college football in terms of touchdowns responsible for in 2022, second in the in the Pac-12, he was number one in total yards per play in the Pac-12 uh, this year as well. So, I mean, those are some other, uh, you know, great stats on. And, and accomplishments uh, on Knicks. Now, if we go over and try to compare him to prospects from prior years in the root of his box score scout, his number one match, fun player, didn't work out for him. But, you know, how much of that was on the player and the off the field and the intangibles, stuff that we are not necessarily concerned about with Knicks, it was Johnny Manziel, Dave. Mm. That's the number one match. Big old Johnny football, so I kind of like that. His number two match is actually undrafted free agent Jordan Teamu. <laughs> um, then we get Davis Mills, Dwayne Haskins, and Bryce Perkins. So this is okay. all over the place, you know. So with Tanner McKee, we were seeing matches that were, you know, four of his top five matches were were round one guys, and the, and his fifth match was a, a round two guy. With Knicks, we see a pair of first round picks, a third round pick, and two undrafted. Even even with me putting him in there um, as an early day two draft pick, uh, mid, I think mid second to late second is where I put him in, which might even be on the high side based off what I'm reading lately. Yep. He he's profiling with guys at the top of the draft and guys that don't even get their name called. So that, you know, we're, we're going to have to see what happens. But to me, I mean, Nick's absolutely reeks of the type of player that will probably not get the draft capital that, his profile really deserves when experience counts for so much. Like he's definitely going to make it through camp. Um, He's going to stick on a squad. He's going to get some NFL starts. Like I have no doubt about it. So um, if I'm comparing him directly to McKee, I mean, I would rather take Nick's. He's got the rushing ability and we've just seen, we've seen a higher ceiling in college and we've also seen uh, just more from him. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I'm pretty excited about him. Like I, you know, he's not, he's not at all bumping up, I think against, uh, you know, those top two guys, you know, he's not even sniffing Stroud or young, but it honestly wouldn't even really surprise me if Knicks went on to have a better career than Will Levis, he's not going to get that type of draft capital, but you know, uh, that's, that's how we need to be, uh, to be thinking about him. So he is a player that if he got. If he somehow, if that team was in love with him and he somehow went in round one, it actually would change how I ranked him. Um, just because you know we'd be that much more assured of him getting material starting time
0: on his rookie deal. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
2: Yeah, like if you told me right now that um, week one of the NFL season, you get to see um, Knicks or McKee, right? Like let's say that we could do this experiment. They're going to start for the same team. I'd be a lot more excited if you told me, you know, Knicks was getting that start than I would be for McKee.
1: Well, and with his experience too, this is just the other thing that I would throw out. You know, we've seen a couple times in NFL history where uh, an early day three guy – or even a day two guy has come into camp, looked really solid. Something happens with the team's QB depth chart. And then they are all of a sudden, you know, a surprise starter as a rookie, either right out of camp or early in the season due to injury that the reins are handed to the rookie. So I can think of a couple of examples and one of them actually includes a, a former transfer player and Russell Wilson. Yep. Russell Wilson uh, ends up starting in Seattle, despite, you know, their, their big free agent uh, signing that year, Matt Flynn. And then it's also <laughs> reminiscent of the, of the, the Dak Prescott situation. Now Dak, it, it did take the injury to Romo. I think it might it was either week one or week two that season, but they gave the reins to Dak. They didn't give it to a veteran. You know, they saw enough in camp. And and so I think Knicks, like, I just, th- th- this isn't a reason to go you know, overdraft him or anything, but I've just got this like gut feeling that, you know, he's going to be a player that has a little bit of an NFL story.
2: Yeah, I would buy into that. Uh, Definitely um, had a lot of fun researching him as we put the guide together. So I think that brings us to TCU product. Uh, (laughs) Max Dugan. Uh,
1: Maxall. Max tall Jim Duggan. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what I've been seeing on on the Google machine today, which yeah. is pretty fun. No, no relation though. Tax yeah,
2: yeah. Which which is a bummer, but nonetheless, <laughs> he stands uh 6'2, weighs 210. Uh, we saw his numbers improve across the course of his career. And then, of course, everybody knows the story that was TCU uh in his senior season. So Played in 12 games as a freshman, 54% completion rate, just 5.83 adjusted yards per attempt, 15 passing touchdowns to nine interceptions. The statistics for him in 2020 and 2021, fairly similar, but we do see a jump to a 64% completion rate by the time he's a junior. We also see him getting up to 9.24 adjusted passing yards per attempt, a 16 to 6 passing touchdown to interception ratio Um, in those years, put up six rushing touchdowns as a freshman, 10 as a sophomore, three as a junior, was in the three and a half to four and a half yard per carry range in those years, putting up more than 100 rushing attempts in all of them. And then what's really going to capture people's attention is the senior season. 64% completion rate goes for 9.49 adjusted yards per attempt and 32 touchdowns to eight interceptions also adds nine rushing touchdowns, 423 yards. That was on 137 attempts. So there's a lot of ways that you can spin this profile. You could knock him for some lower level production early on, or you could focus on him improving. Uh, but clearly that senior season is something that needs to be paid attention to. You know, it's kind of similar, and I'm not drawing comparisons to this player, but if you remember, if you looked at Joe Burrow, right, you know, a lot of people were worried about that one season. Now this season for him is isn't quite as strong, obviously, but I'm just drawing the comparison of, you know, there are cases where there actually is something to be said for a player's improvement. And sometimes that doesn't come until they're a senior. So we'll have to see what teams make of this, uh, see where he ends up actually landing in the draft.
1: Well, I mean, we, we always want players to have, you know, popped at a younger age. I mean, that's always the best case scenario. And that's, that's what, that's, you know, where we prefer to chase the upside, but it's also better for a player to have popped than to have never have popped.
2: So, right. you know. And some you know, of those guys uh, we it, talked it, about prior, I would argue never popped.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think Duggan's probably a player that will will accumulate a lot of buzz between now and the NFL draft. If, if anyone's going to, you know, slide up the boards, you know, a couple of rounds from, you know, mid day three to maybe back into day two or something like that, given what we've got in this quarterback class. Cause I mean, again, after the four guys we talked about in, in episodes one and one and two, I think the order of these other four guys, I mean, it could, it could be in any order, honestly, yeah. it's good. It's going to be, you know, what is the GM like for, you know, for his system, Duggan's Sims are, are pretty cool. Um, he's got a he's got two I would argue pretty high end day three guys <laughs> that, that pull in. So his top sim is Ian Book. Um, you know we haven't seen much of of Book in the NFL yet. Uh, Kevin Hogan, former Stanford product, talking a lot about Stanford quarterbacks tonight. Uh, he's the number two sim. But then we see Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is a pretty cool sim to pull in, uh, given that you know you highlighted Duggan's rushing production. Now you don't necessarily think of him, you know, quite as athletic as Tyrod Taylor, but you know maybe we'll find out at the combine that that he is on that level. We'll, we'll have to see. Tyrod Taylor was a sixth round draft pick. Goes on and you know, I mean, he was a Konami Code guy. You know, you know, really big time late round QB slash QB streamer um, type of investment. Marquise Williams, undrafted free agent, is top uh, his fourth uh, closest sim, and then Dak Prescott is his fifth closest sim. So. Yeah, I just I mean, wanted for, to use the sound effect. Yeah, that's great. That's that's adding some ambiance there. You know, for a player that right now looks like he's probably an early day three pick, I mean, you would expect to get a total hodgepodge of Sims. To pull in Taylor and Prescott in yeah. your top five, that's as good as you can really hope when you're talking about a quarterback that's probably around four guys. So, Duggan, in pretty interesting. Um yeah, I I would throw them right in there, and I I would prefer if I was ordering the players, the three that we've talked about so far tonight, uh, I would go Knicks, Duggan, McKee, and I don't think that's probably the order they'll be drafted in, but in terms of like my interest from a fantasy perspective, that's how I would order them.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure between Knicks and and uh, Duggan exactly how I would land. It's pretty close, but um. You know, I think both of them for me are are a bit ahead of McKee. So the final player we want to talk about tonight is Hendon Hooker. He's six foot four, weighs 222 pounds, is older though. He's 25. Um, he transferred to Tennessee um, as a red shirt junior, which contributes to him being yeah. a little bit older, uh, started his career at Virginia tech Um, through 161 passes as a sophomore actually puts up 13 touchdowns, um, 10.7 adjusted yards per attempt, just two interceptions, uh, completion rate of 61% in his final season at Virginia tech in eight games, completes 97 of 149 passes puts up 8.72 adjusted passing yards per attempt, just nine touchdowns to five interceptions makes the transfer to Tennessee. And that is when things really take off for him, is able to get himself into the offense, puts up a 68% completion rate, gets to 11.36 adjusted passing yards per attempt, 31 passing touchdowns to three interceptions. Then in his final year um, in 11 games, a 70% completion rate, Curtis, 10.9 adjusted yards per attempt, And again, has a really strong touchdown interception ratio of 27 to two. I haven't even hit the rushing production yet. Um, as a sophomore, five rushing touchdowns followed by nine and then back to back years of five rushing touchdowns puts up 2078 rushing yards across his career on 516 attempts. Also, uh, that translates into four rushing yards per carry And if you've heard me talk before about the things that we like to look at at quarterback in his final or in his seasons at Tennessee really performs very strongly in all of those things that I would be looking at.
1: Yeah. Hooker is a bit of a conundrum. Uh, He was so good the past two seasons, even against the sec. Now you would expect that. I I mean, for us to even be talking about him, he needed to be really good because you know, he's, he's four or five, six years older than a lot of the players that he's playing against. (laughs) Right. Uh, You know, so you would expect him, you know, given the experience and all that chance to kind of season himself. But, man, Dave, he was the 2022 SEC Offensive Player of the Year. He led the NCAA in passing yards per attempt, uh, obviously also first in the SEC in that category. He is 10th all-time in career passing yards per attempt in the NCAA history, 9.5. Um, he is third in the SEC history in passing yards per attempt. In adjusting, uh, adjusted passing yards per attempt, he was first in the SEC in 2021, first in the NCAA in 2022, uh, third career all time in adjusted passing yards per attempt for the SEC, and eighth career all time in NCAA history. I mean, so, and uh, let me talk about efficiency. He's the 11th most efficient passer in college football history. So there's some stuff in here that's like, okay, the age, you know, it's a pretty big question mark, but you know, he's athletic, you know, he did put up the rushing production and, you know, he did have, he had great touchdown to interception ratios all four years that he played. And so, he did everything with the chances that he got. Um, it's hard to to really project him forward because of those big question marks. But you know, in the right hands, he w- he could potentially be pretty exciting. Let's see what the box score scout says. Uh, and we 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 got two names that I think are are kind of interesting and three you know yep. whiffs. Some there's some overlap here with Duggan and his Sims actually because they had similar rushing production and we're looking at both of them as probably day three picks, you know, you're going to end up with the same, uh, you know, the same uh, cohort for the query, but Kevin Hogan, his, his number one SIM Dak Prescott actually is number two, Dave, Bryce Petty, Kenny Hill, former undrafted free agent, but then undrafted free agent, Tyler Huntley, which Huntley has um, had, you know, some level of success able to uh, you know, hold it down for, Lamar Jackson. And uh, we've seen him
2: pro Bowl (laughs) selections,
1: pro Bowl skills game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But yeah, hooker Uh, for for anybody that played like college DFS the last couple of years. I mean, hookers like, you know, legendary, you know, he's a big time, like put him in there like almost every week type of guy. You know, it's why this tier three is kind of interesting to me. Uh, All four of these guys, I think you can make a case. You know, when you look at him, you know, as a group, this tier three McKee's the guy that's probably going to get the draft capital, but Nick's Duggan and hooker all have that rushing upside. And, you know, if it, if hooker was 22, you know, he, we'd be talking about him probably as like a mid to early first round pick, yep. like it, not, not just in super but in the NFL draft, you know, I think the age, the age is just the big, it's the big thing, but it, crazy stuff happens man we saw Brandon Whedon go in the first round twenty six year old brandon weeden you just never know you know how desperate is a team how much they fall in love with his his skills and how do they see it projecting in the context of their offense with the players they got right now in their system so lots to be excited about here uh I, I will not be avoiding any of these guys altogether in in dynasty rookie superflex uh superflex drafts and hooker is probably the one that I would be most sensitive to to draft capital on like, if you just look at his profile versus what we saw with Malik Willis last year, like, you know, Malik Willis had, you know, some of these, these skills, but he wasn't nearly as efficient as a passer as hooker. Um, and you know, he was doing it at Liberty, you know, after, after he transferred away from the sec hooker transferred to the sec and then did all this stuff. And he's just older, you know, he's older. So, you know, how much right. does that matter?
2: Right. I'm, um, I think I'm largely in agreement with everything you'd say. I, mean, I just, re- I would love to be able to see him at least get one crack at it just yeah. to see what those two years at Tennessee really meant. Uh, not that that would be something you could extrapolate elsewhere, but I mean, those were really impressive seasons. Um, you do like the fact that he was able to make that move instantly, find success in the SEC. But like you said, at that age, you know, it's probably uh, something that. We- <laughs> A lot of people would say you should be expecting. I think that, like you said, you know, definitely not a player that you're going to want to go out there and actively try to seek. But the cool thing that does shape up with this class, and it kind of touches upon what you and I were talking about at the end of the second episode that we did looking at this quarterback class, is the idea that there might be some guys that aren't going to be that expensive that can end up contributing yeah. on a super yeah. flex team. Uh, you can you know, get them get them on that roster, not have to pay much of a price. So, you know, in that regard, there's something to be excited about with the quarterbacks. Um, I'm inclined to say, however, though, that at this point you are probably getting fired up from when we get to talk about these backs and receivers. Oh
1: man. Yeah. It's going to be so nice to to transition. I will put, I will say this, um, and in volumes two and three, you may see a couple other quarterbacks, you know, sneak their way in with a, with a new profile. um, you know, sneak their way into the low end of our rankings. There's other, there's even some notable guys that we're not putting in volume one. I mean, Stetson Bennett comes to mind, Yeah, you know, he's got a similar, I mean, he's even older than hooker, but you know, uh, less exciting from a fantasy perspective. He's also having some legal troubles right now. I mean, the jury's just kind of out on what the NFL thinks about him. So you know he's a player that probably makes his way into to volume two at some point once we clarify some of those things and there's some other smaller school guys that you know will, will pop up get buzzy and we'll feel the need to to educate you about them but right now these are the uh, these are the was it eight these are the eight guys that we felt you really needed to know about this early in the process.
2: Thank you for listening to the Roto-Viz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.